When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Sunday, November 29th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 384, featuring longtime Worcester Telegram and Gazette Celtics Beat writer Bill Doyle, is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today for your exclusive sign-up bonus. Okay, welcome in everyone to another new edition of Celtics Beat. This is a, uh, a very special one for a variety of reasons, among them that as producer Evan Valenti and I were joking about just a little while ago off the air, news actually broke before the, the show so we could incorporate that into our recording as opposed to about an hour after we post the show. <laughs> Gordon Hayward's trade or sign and trade with the Charlotte Hornets, that is complete. It is done. All those people that said Danny Ainge got nothing, fire him, crucify the guy. Didn't happen, and we can get into all the specifics of the Indiana situation, obviously, over the course of this show. But the Celtics, in a swap of draft picks, which is really not the important part of the Hornets' trade, were able to create a trade exception worth $28.5 million. So this is only one piece of the story. The larger piece is over the course of the next year, while people are still vilifying Danny Ainge. Is he able to use it? Does he choose to use it? And we know a lot of the time these trade exceptions do not get used. Will this one be used? And, uh, you know, can the Celtics bring in either another star or some key rotational players? All of this is to be examined. But first and foremost, we are pleased, thrilled to be joined by Bill Doyle, who is just in... Uh, in a matter of days, in the next couple of days, he's already announced it. He is retiring after 40 years at the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, covering the Boston Celtics, among so many other things. Bill, thank you for being with us. And of course, congratulations. Thank you very much for inviting me to be on your show. Well, all right. So I uh, I have to start with this, I think. And I, I tweeted out to the people, any questions that you have for Bill and for this show about the Celtics, please fire them over. And so we got to, we got a whole bunch and, and we will, you know, acknowledge a, a whole bunch of them later on in the show. But where I want to begin is because you are so well known, renowned for asking the first question, you know, <laughs> not unlike Johnny Miller, obviously covering the Red Sox. Do you have any questions for us? Anything that you want to <laughs> ask us? Because we know that you are adept when it comes to asking the first question. Yeah, my question is, why would you want to interview me? <laughs> what, what, are, what are we doing here, exactly? <laughs> Where do we start? It's the actual right. question. Yeah, yeah. You are a, uh, a legend of covering the beat, my friend. I mean, there are a, a great many reasons to have you on this show. I know, uh, obviously, Danny Ainge tweeted at you. Chris Forsberg, uh, a longtime friend of yours, he was tweeting about how you are his idol when it comes to uh, well, maybe many facets of life, but certainly as a, a writer and covering the Celtics. And you were just telling us off air about a, a, a tremendous call that you received of congratulations after your announcement. Uh, yes, this morning, Bob Cousy, Celtics legend, 92 years old. He yeah. lived in Worcester. I've written many stories about him. He called to congratulate me on my retirement. And he also called to say, give me an idea. He said, 
why don't you expand upon your goodbye column, your farewell column, and write a book about all your experiences? And I, you know, that's not a bad idea. If I could remember all my, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, I, a lot, it's a lot to remember. You know, it's uh, as as a lot of you know the the adage is you know you for uh, like a. My favorite one is Bill Belichick has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I mean, this right, right. applies to you, Bill. I mean, you've you've forgotten more about Southern's history than I'll ever know because of how much of it you experienced yourself in person. So, um, I mean, it would be an excellent book if you were to put it to paper, no question about it. Well, I, I, I don't, in my farewell column, I included two quotes. Mm-hmm. One of them was from Bob Cousy. My two, two of my favorite quotes that I've ever received from uh, my interviews. And Bob Cousy once said, I hate it when people ask me for my autograph. I hate it more when they don't. Uh, <laughs> In other words, right. don't pester me, but don't forget me. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wanted to tell me where that came from. And he said that he was watching the Johnny Carson show. Do you guys remember Johnny? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Years ago, and Orson Welles was on it, and they Johnny Carson asked Orson Welles, do you like being a celebrity? And he said, I hate it. I want people to leave me alone. You know, I hate being a celebrity. The only time I like being a celebrity is when I show up to my favorite restaurant and the maitre d' says to me, oh, Mr. Welles, we have your table waiting for you. Yeah. It takes me to my, t- and a, to my table at a crowded restaurant. So then it comes in handy. And Bob, he said, that's kind of the way I look at it. Like, I want to be left alone, but once in a while, it pays off to be a celebrity. Oh, Johnny Carson really followed that to a T, huh? I mean, as soon as he retired, he just disappeared. He was gone out of the yeah. media. Yeah, he, it's funny, he interviewed people for a living, was on TV five nights a week, and he didn't like the spotlight. <laughs> so, you know, for you, what I... To, to the, I guess, sort of in the same vein of, hey, your table's ready and, and you know, asking us about Johnny Carson, if, you know, we're, we're both, I mean, we're, we're not old, we're not young, right? We're, you know, we're kind of uh, middle of the pack in terms of our, our media careers, I guess. But if you were to go to a younger Celtic, say one of the, you know, recent draft picks, Neesmith Pritchard, or a guy who's only been around a little while, the Williamses, or, you know, Langford, someone like that, if you said, hey, you remember Johnny Carson, they'd probably look at you cross-eyed. So yeah. in your they don't remember Jay Leno. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> remember, remember when Conan wasn't on TBS? You right, know, yeah. In your four decades covering this team, you have seen a lot. I mean, you have seen a lot, obviously. I mean, you've been covering this team longer than I have been alive, but by a very small margin, but a long time. What are some of the great memories, the great thrills? Before we get, I know people want to talk about Hayward and the trade exception and all that stuff. We'll get there. This man is retiring. What, what is the stuff, some of the great memories outside of the championships, that goes without saying that you've seen over the years. What's really stuck with you? Well, let me just point out, I covered the Celtics for about 27 years. Okay. I've been a sports writer for the Worcester Telegram for 40 years. I actually covered the Bruins before the Celtics for a little while, and I covered colleges and high schools. And, uh, but I started covering the Celtics. This is a memory. Um, the year after Larry Bird retired. Hmm. It was Kevin McHale's last year. And what I remember – was going to the playoffs in Charlotte. And the Celtics were down by one point in the closing seconds. And if they lost, they were going to be eliminated. Kevin McHale 
from half court lobbed a perfect alley-oop pass right over the basket. And Dee Brown, who had won the slam dunk contest, jumped up, grabbed the ball, was about to dunk it when Kendall Gill from Charlotte blocked the shot. Hmm. Uh, the game ended. The Celtics lost by a point. D. Brown insisted he was fouled. They didn't make any call. The Celtics lost. And right on at courtside, Kevin McHale retired. Huh. Right on the court. Wow. Well, if if ever retired. there was a kind of a, a link, right, between eras of Celtics basketball, because Kevin McHale, you know, you think of him, he's he's known for winning. He's or at least remembered for winning in a Celtics uniform in his NBA career and, and an all-time great. D. Brown, no disrespect to him. I love the guy. He couldn't be a nicer person, but is not, you know, remembered for his time with the Celtics as, as being a winner, a champion, in the way that so many of those other guys are. For those two guys to play together on the same team, I mean, what a great link of just, you know, what once was to what it became for a little while. Uh, for sure. D was not on some good teams, uh, unfortunately. And I remember when Rick Pitino came on board on, uh, as coach, one of the first things he did was get rid of D. But I love D. He was a great interview, and he was from Florida, and he went to college in Florida. And I remember asking him the first winter uh, when it snowed. I asked him if he had ever seen snow before. And he said that he came outside, tried to scrape his windshield with a spatula, because <laughs> it's all we had. Yeah, and I didn't no, work I out that No, yeah. no way. It's funny though. You mentioned that that play and how that's like one of your first seasons. How it ended, and then you have the flip side. Um, I know it wasn't exactly the ending of it, but it was the start of the end of this season. Is Jason Tatum getting blocked by Bam Adebayo uh, right. in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals? It's kind of nice symmetry for you there, Bill. Yes, yeah, for sure. I, I and and one other thing is I didn't cover the Celtics a lot this season. Uh, you know, Jim Fenton from the Brockton Enterprise covered it for Gatehouse. I moved on to other things. But I um, I think the Celtics this year went about as far as you could have expected to, them to. Uh, nice if they beat Miami, but they weren't going to beat the Lakers. No, sad as that is, I uh, I agree with it. I mean, I, I do think it would have been, and this is really no slight on Miami because there were so many significant injuries in that series, but I think it would have been a more competitive series had the Celtics been in the finals. But I don't know, maybe there's some level of bias there for me. I don't think so. But uh, when you think back on the last 40 years, and I know obviously you wrote about it and just, you know, the growth that you experienced as an individual, you know, in your personal life, obviously, and in, 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 between your wife and kids and grandkids and so on and so forth, not just obviously what you did professionally, but what you did do for work and being a reporter over the last 40 years and how much the medium has changed and how much the media has changed and, you know, the, the internet and social media and just the way you went about covering your job, access to players, relationships, um, all of them being able to now express themselves as opposed to through you guys, but directly on social media or whatever their own platforms may be. How has your, your job, your role uh, really changed over the years to where we are now? Well, when I first started covering uh, the Celtics and the Bruins, uh, you would write your story on basically a typewriter. Uh, and someone would, who was working at the garden 
would fax your story back to the paper. It was called cam fax. You'd hand them a piece of paper, they'd put it through a fax machine and fax it back there. Um, your deadlines are much later, too. Uh, deadlines are earlier now than they used to be. Uh, for, for the paper, you could, you, you could take all night to put something online. Um, the, the, pay, the, the job has changed a lot. But it's all about adjusting. I'm sure your jobs have changed over the years. Sure. I mean, are they, have you viewed them as good adjustments, though? Uh, just the, the advances of technology specific to your profession, spe- specific to, to reporting, to journalism, to, you know, there was a point in time where, as, as you acknowledged, like you, you could have a, a story, a scoop, and as long as you were comfortable that you were going to beat the TV guys to it, then as long as your story ran that next day and nobody else had it, then you were gold, like all, all eyes on Bill Doyle. But now, obviously, it's about having that first tweet. And, you know, it, a lot of the time, unfortunately, it almost doesn't even matter whether you're right or you're wrong. You know, there's a, a real lack of account, accountability out there in the mainstream media. It's just about getting the, the retweets and the likes and the attention. Whether you were right or wrong, people don't even remember that. Your follower count isn't based on that. No, you're right. Uh, and, and I'm wondering if people even care as much as they used to about a well-written story, all they really care about are the tweets, the the little blips of information that maybe you beat other writers to. Um, But it's different. I don't know if it's better or worse, uh, but again, you just adjust. uh, I've adjusted my whole career. The last couple of years, I've been writing more, a few more news stories. Uh, I've been writing stories about religion. I've been writing is about uh, uh, people who died in the Worcester area that were well known in addition to writing sports stories. Uh, and, and, you know, it kind of put things in perspective for me. You know, uh, I enjoy sports. Uh, they've been my life, but there's, there's things other than sports out there too. We miss it. You know, the, uh, I'm sure Every once in a while, you will. There'll be a big game. You'll say, man, I, th- that would be fun to write about, or I'd like to talk to so-and-so about whatever it may be. But, you know, the, the grind of it all, will, are, are you happy to be jumping into retirement in the next chapter, or are you going to be – do you see yourself sitting there after a lot of games or, or even throughout the season, Celtics in particular? And I know you said you didn't do as much of it last year, but um, just kind of saying, man, I, I kind of miss the grind of it. What I'll miss is taking my fingers – putting down on the keyboard and punching out my thoughts. Yeah. That's what I'll miss. You know, and you have Twitter for that though. You still have Twitter for that. I still right. can do that. I can still do that. And, and one thing that I always, my strength as a reporter was interviewing people. I thought, and uh, I'll miss that. I'll miss interviewing people for sure. Uh, I like to put people at ease, maybe even use some humor, become familiar with them. And that's changed too. Years ago, uh, you could get to know the Celtics, talk to them before games, one-on-one. Then they changed that. They didn't really want you to talk one-on-one with the players before the games. They would put the player up against the blackboard or the whiteboard, and you'd talk to them in a group. So you couldn't get anything different than anyone else. I think that's changed again. Of course, this year, everything was off the table because of the pandemic. There wasn't... Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the games, but um, I, I I prided myself on 
getting to know the players. They could, they got to know me. They would feel comfortable with me and they might tell me something. They might not tell somebody else. One player that I, I did that with was Tony Allen. Tony Allen said that he appreciated the fact that I would talk to him before and after games, whether he played well or not. And he appreciated that. So when, when he had a bad game and I went and talked to him, he would talk to me. He might not talk to some other reporters, but he would talk to me. So you would develop a rapport with the player. And that was key to being to conducting interesting interviews. Now, you, well, you said that your, your best skill was, was interviewing and interviewing players throughout your career. you have a favorite interview? Is any, any player stick out in your mind that's like, yeah, interviewing him was always a blast because he always had a cool nugget for me or, or made me laugh or uh, always had an interesting perspective on what had happened in the game? Well, well Bob I, Cousy called him this morning, so. Yeah. So that's, that's a good one. Yeah, that'll be a good Bob one. Bob Cousy uh, <laughs> is always a great interview. He, he, he's a yeah. nice guy. He, uh, he, he's 92, but he's still sharp. He's still sharp, for sure. Uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of them, a lot of good players. Paul Pierce and I got along great. Uh, I was known for asking Paul Pierce the first questions in the interview. And I remember I did that a couple of times, and then in the – 2008 playoffs, I was in Detroit and uh, for the, I think it was the conference finals. And um, he was lying on the floor in the locker room. And he looked up at me and he says, you don't get to ask the first question all the time. You shouldn't ask the first question all the time. So, of course, from then on, I made sure I was going to ask the first question. (laughs) He's kind of joking with me. And he came to Worcester last year to speak at our newspaper's uh, sports banquet, high school sports banquet. And uh, so I got to renew acquaintances with him. And uh, I interviewed him before um, he handed out the uh, awards. And uh, so I got to ask not only the first questions, but most of them. My editor, uh, Dave Nordman, asked a few too. Uh, So Paul is good. And another guy who um, I'm not surprised has made it big in the media is Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. He was really good to talk to, not just to me, but to anyone. Um, he was not the star of those teams, but you could go to him and he would tell you the straight scoop. He would not sugarcoat anything he ever said. And if he thought the team played lousy, he would tell you. He would name names, and he's doing the same thing now uh, um, on television because he's not afraid what people, uh, people are going to get upset with what he says. He tells it like it is. Yeah, it's being six ten, it would would help that. I would I wouldn't worry about people <laughs> like you know what I mean, like being six ten and kind of a bruiser. You know, I'm just saying. Right. I, I would I would throw takes out there like Bert too if I was built like him. No question. Right. Sorry, but he doesn't really care if Kevin Garnett's getting that, gets mad at him. You know. Yeah. No, he doesn't. What he thinks. Bert, though, and I mean, Evan remembers this. This goes back what a couple of years, year and a half, something like that. Before Perk <clears> was was Perk in the media sense. Obviously, he had his NBA career behind him as a player. But before, you know, he was all over ESPN and Fox for a time and doing everything that he's doing. And, you know, obviously such a presence on Twitter. We had him on this show as uh, it, it was really probably not his first as as a, you know, budding media person. But one of his first interviews as he was trying to really make that transition from retired player, what do I do next, into, you know, what is my next career? And I said to him, I, I was, because, I mean, you 
as you just acknowledged, you in the locker room as a reporter and so many others, you got to know him in that way. As a fan or just someone that watched him on TV, and even when he was interviewed, he wasn't really vocal, at least maybe in TV interviews or radio interviews. Maybe in the newspaper it was a little bit different. But, you know, he wasn't a guy that, like, you thought of maybe Paul Pierce and, and Garnett and guys like that. Like, yeah, they could make it in the media. You never thought of a guy like Perk. You know, he always had the scowl on his face. He never really said much. He was, you know, kind of polite, soft-spoken. Again, this was his his media presence at the time as a player. And for him to really become what he has become it did floor me it did shock me and now i mean yeah the guy's about as loud as anybody you'll find (laughs) but that was the perk that would talk to the maybe just the newspaper people maybe when the cameras weren't going but it didn't surprise me it didn't surprise a lot of the longtime beat writers uh you know he he might have a different way of wording things Mm -hmm. uh, but uh he's interesting and and he take gives you he lets you know what his opinions are for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Was yeah. it, you know, we've, we've both used the phrase long time. And whenever I say long time, when like Sean Grandy comes on the show, he says he hates hearing long time because long time makes him feel like, you know, the, like he's old, quite frankly. Like he's, he said, you know, when I hear long time, I think of Mike Gorman, you know, Tommy Heinsohn, may he rest in peace. You know, guys like, I don't, I don't think of me long time, but reality, you know, he's been doing it for, however long it's been 20 some odd years. And so when, uh, when you think back on your career, guys that we were just talking about, Paul Kendrick, um, you know, obviously KG when he came into the league and obviously later on as a Celtic and beyond all these guys that, you know, they entered the league out of high school in Garnett's case, college out of most others cases, and they play for 10, 15, 20 years, and then they retire, and you're still at it. You've, you've seen their entire career growth from boys to men, uh, you know, from rookies to Hall of Famers. What's that experience like, just following the, the journey? Well, it, it's, it's fun to get to know the players. Uh, and and it, the thing about it, when I covered the Celtics, they were bad for a long time. Mm-hmm. They were bad for a long, long time. Uh, they went years and years without even making the playoffs. So when they won it in 2008, that was a lot of fun and, and a breath of fresh air because they hadn't been good for a lot, for a while. Um, and so I would say, obviously that was the highlight of covering the Celtics when they won the whole thing in 2008 at the garden for sure. So, folks, we're going to take a quick break just to tell you NFL football continues, obviously, this week. you got, uh, at this point in time, well, there's one game being played right now, and then there's Monday Night Football. And there have been a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. You might not be able to be at a game this year. Very few people are. You can still be in on the action, though, with Bet Online. And plus, we're talking basketball, NBA title odds. Those are out. Lakers. Plus 275 to repeat. The Bucks plus 600. Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course, leading the way for that squad. The Nets, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Is this ever going to work? Plus 650 to win a championship. Some people think it will. The Clippers plus 650 as well with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George coming back. Celtics, yes, the Celtics plus 1,600. And the Sixers now led by Doc Rivers plus 2,500, which probably as much as I'm not a Sixers guy is not a bad bet if you got a couple extra shekels lying around. Either way, no matter how the schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going to go the extra mile. Make sure that you can get in on every game this season with the fastest 
most updated odds in the entire industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. So head to bet online, do it today, and take advantage of all the great mid-season bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So as we're joined here by Bill Doyle, again, days away from his retirement, kind enough, uh, he said earlier, it's the last thing he's doing before retirement is, you know, taking some time with the, the two of us knuckleheads on the Celtics Beat podcast. You said the thing, Bill, that you're going to miss most is offering people your thoughts. Good news, this is a perfect, unscripted avenue to give us your thoughts. Let's get into this current team a little bit, especially with what has gone on of late. How is this team... And we'll get to the nitty-gritty, obviously, of transactions. But just on the surface, this team, what has happened this offseason with players reporting for training camp in just a matter of a couple of days and then the season beginning in a few weeks, how does this team shape up from where we last saw them in the bubble? Well, they're smaller. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, uh, I think they're a good team. And I think they'll probably be about to go as far as they did last year. Um it's going to hurt losing Gordon Hayward. Um, I don't know if Thompson is going to be much better than Cantor. Maybe they're different kind of players. Um, it all depends on is Kemba Walker going to be healthy, and how far is Tatum and Brown going to take them? I mean, they're two great young players, and they have to be great for the Celtics to go to the finals. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's unfortunate that Boston has had to rely on young talent for so long. It's, it's, it's fortunate for them that those two have responded very well in terms of trying to carry a team to go back to that first run, you know, no Kyrie, no Gordon Hayward, two really green guys trying to put it together um, and, and, you know, kind of figure it out on the fly. What, what about the two guys, Jason and, and Jalen, uh, have impressed you the most. I, I've, I've talked to a couple people like, you know, their maturity for how young they are is really impressive. I mean, both guys, you know, you know, Jason and Jalen, both of them, super impressive, super mature, have really grown their games over the past couple of years. What's the most impressive thing about them in your opinion? There, Bill? Well, the most impressive thing is they're improving every single year. They're adding something to their game. They're not young players anymore. They're young. But I, I remember last, not this year, but last season, during the playoffs. Um, so in 2019, I interviewed um, Brown before a practice. And I said to him, you know, you're not a young player anymore. You're a veteran now. And he kind of smiled and, and even laughed. But it's true. You're in, the, you're in the league like two, three years now. You can't be considered a young player anymore if you're playing a lot. And they are. So they're, they're not the future. They're the present. And what has impressed me most is that they get better every single year. And I remember when Tatum, his rookie year, he started off hitting all kinds of threes, and then he couldn't hit any for, like, maybe the second half of the season. Well, he's more consistent with his three-point shot now. Uh, Brown has become a much better scorer. Um, they're both pretty good defenders. Um, they're getting better rebounding. You know, they're, they're adding to their games. And Brown looks like he's underpaid now. Uh, mm -hmm. Tatum, $195 million. I mean, if, if I was making $195 million, I'd still be working. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a pretty unbelievable amount of money, but yeah, you know, it's uh, I love yeah. talking to past players about the money that gets thrown around today, obviously, and what that must have uh, what that must feel like when you're just looking at these. I mean, a lot of those how do you guys spend it? However many eras. I mean, guys guys need to go work after they finish playing. No, they don't. <laughs> no, I mean not now, but back in the day. Oh, you know. All right, like, I'll put this in perspective. Bob Cousy, last year, nineteen sixty three. He just won six titles with the Celtics. He made $35,000. <laughs> that was his highest pay. Yeah. That's like a game check for Jason Tatum this year. <laughs> I mean, like, well, yeah. like, like yeah. that's what we're talking about. Tommy Heinsohn, he, he retired. He went to go before he was a coach and broadcaster. When he retired to being a, you know, from being a player, he went and sold insurance. In Worcester. Yeah. They, you know, you Bob go. Cousy and Tommy Heinsohn for a while lived in Worcester. Um, Cousy still does. And they used to commute to the games together from Worcester. And Togo Palazzi, another Holy yeah. grad from the yeah. 50s, uh, he played for a couple of years for the Celtics, so the three of them would drive in together. And I remember uh, Cousy telling me that uh, um, he had to drive, though. Cousy had to drive. They wouldn't let Togo drive. Well, I, I got to know Togo quite well uh, some years ago. It, you know, he we'd both spent a lot of time on the Cape, uh, close by one another. And he, uh, again, just a you couldn't meet a nicer guy. Loved to tell stories. Just the worst knees in the world. Uh, but uh, you know, the again, you know, some of those uh, those '60s tales of the Celtics. Uh, another, I mean, he brought me to a. A season ticket holder event once this was back when I was in school before I was working in the media so to give you an idea it was a long time ago obviously but um you know and and met Tommy and and Bob Cousy and and uh god who was there Gene Conley was there and uh, wow. uh it was really a, an, an interesting crew of people but just a, another I, I know like mainstream Celtics fans that that don't even remember players from that era let alone recognize probably some of the names that we're talking about but I mean, Togo, another uh, hell of a guy for sure. I got a Togo you story can't, for you. Shut him up about J.P. Ricciardi, another Worcester guy. Yeah, right. I got a Togo story for you. Uh, I got yeah. my editor one day a few years ago, and he said, oh, Togo Palazzi just died. Um, call Bob Cousy and get a comment. So I said, all right. I was at home. And then he called while I was on my landline called my cell phone and my wife picked up. He said, did he call Kuzi yet? She said, just about to. He said, tell him to hang up, tell him to hang up. So I got on my cell phone. He said, what happened? He goes, it was a different Togo Palazzi who died. <laughs> How could there be a different to- Togo Palazzi? <laughs> I was really not one of those people. I mean, that's, that's well, interesting. I never, I, I, uh, I can't imagine there must be more than two in the, in the world. <laughs> Right. Togo uh, led Holy Cross to the NIT championship, I think, in 54. And Tommy yeah. was a sophomore on that team. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, no, those guys go way back for sure. Yeah. They did, obviously. But um, with, so back to this this current team, and you brought up Gordon Hayward, and I, I agree. Certainly the Celtics are going to miss him. They didn't replace him, um, you know, haven't as of yet anyway, unless you're just going to get that much more from – the younger guys for, I don't know how much more a guy like Tatum can give you or even Brown Brown has maybe just a, a little bit, 
you know, higher level than he's already at to be that perennial all-star. A lot of people think uh, he can be, but Jason Tatum, there's, there's not too much higher, uh, at least volume wise, statistically speaking, this guy can climb than what he was last year. But for Hayward, I don't know how much there, there have been a lot of reports out there. Certainly some from Indiana, um, Gary Washburn has probably been the guy, at least from a reporting perspective, that has been the most tuned into that saga with the Pacers and Hayward's departure on a local level. There really hasn't been a lot nationally from the, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski's and Sham Sharania's of the world. But now that this whole thing is done, um, I don't know what you've heard or encountered over the course of this thing, or if you've been a little disconnected from it, but, but, you know, what's your view of, of those people that like to look at it and say, one, Danny Ainge blew it, could have had Miles Turner and, and, you know, Doug McDermott, or maybe even a, a pick and, but Ainge's asking price, he wanted too much and he was greedy and Hayward just, he was fed up and he left and blah, 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 blah. What, what's your perspective of this whole thing? I, I don't have insight to this. I haven't talked to people about this, but my, my opinion is it really doesn't matter whether Ainge blew it or not. The uh, uh, way I look at it is why did Gordon Hayward go to Charlotte? Mm-hmm. They had a win. Uh, he took the money and ran. So yep. I don't know if he wanted to stay in Boston, no matter what uh, the trade with Indiana, if he, he should have gone there. He would have been if he wanted to win. So all that matters is he, he just he wanted the longer contract. He wanted the more money. He went to he went to Charlotte. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like Washburn had an article in the Globe earlier today, and to sum it up, his reporting, which contradicted some of what was out there in Indiana from you know their reporters, and I don't know them on a personal level. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. But we don't know anything really in terms of anything definitive. It's not like Hayward or, or Ainge have come out and spoken about this, but Gary basically said that Gordon wanted to go to Indiana. He wanted to go home. His wife wanted to go home. Um, and the Celtics and Pacers, they were talking about it. Obviously the Pacers were comfortable giving up miles Turner. Didn't want to, but they were comfortable doing it. Ainge. Yes. He did want miles Turner. A lot of people have said maybe he didn't, he did want miles Turner, but he also wanted either TJ Warren or Victor Oladipo. The price was too steep for the Pacers. They balked. Then Michael Jordan swoops in, offers the four for 120. What we don't know, what really has not clearly been reported here is if Gordon Hayward would have taken less to go to the Pacers. If it was always about the number, the four for 120, then you're right. Doesn't matter. Hayward took the money. Doesn't Pacers could have offered the moon. Hayward would have had to agree to the deal. And if he wasn't getting the pay, which the Pacers weren't doing at 120, then it's it's totally irrelevant what the trade package was. He had to agree. The other thing that I wonder, though, is if he would have, let's say hypothetically, he would have taken, say, 110. Ainge could have made the trade. We were still in the moratorium period where Jordan still could have swooped in and offered the four for 120, at which point Hayward conceivably could have killed the deal if he wanted to. So I, I just think there are so many pieces of this thing that we really don't know that for anyone to, to have a definitive Pacers blew it, Celtics blew it, Ainge was greedy, Hayward took the money, you know, and, and the, like there are so many vantage points to this that, that are almost unfair to have without the, the actual knowledge that I don't think we're ever going to get. And if he did trade them for Miles Turner – People wouldn't have liked that either. They would have said he didn't get enough. So I I don't blame Danny. Um, 
you know, it was all about Hayward wanting to move on. And uh, it was over a barrel. You know, he was not operating from a position of strength. Yeah, it's it's funny to watch the backlash right now because you have all these people saying, oh, the Celtics have lost three, you know, three max free agents the past couple of years, being Kyrie leaving to go to Brooklyn. You have Al Horford going to Philadelphia and now Hayward leaving to go to Charlotte. You this, and this has been sort of debated, you know, throughout circles, and Adam has mentioned this on this show for years now because this has been – I think, Adam, you were on it kind of right after the, the Horford signing. Do the Celtics have a problem keeping max free agents, keeping free agents in town, or are you with me here? When I, I hear this, I'm saying, you know, look, the, the Celtics don't have a problem, you know, losing players. The problem is you have other owners and other front offices offering ludicrous contracts – to certain guys. I mean, the, the Kyrie thing, notwithstanding, like, okay, Kyrie leaves, go play with Kevin Durant. Totally understand. Got it. The Al Horford contract was bad, and Philly just traded off a first rounder and a second rounder, I believe, to get off that contract so they could ship him over to Oklahoma City. And then everybody after the, the ink was dry, or it, when, when Woj hit center of the tweet, after they were done burying Danny Ainge, it was – what is Michael Jordan doing? Why Why are they offering Gordon Hayward, who hasn't had a healthy season in four years, uh, hasn't made an all-star team since Utah, uh, why are they giving him $120 million guaranteed? doesn't make any sense. Do the Celtics have a problem retaining free agents or are, are, are just you know other GMs being dumb, other front offices being dumb, costing the Celtics, unfortunately, in these situations? I, I think I agree with you. I, I remember when Al Horford signed with the Celtics, it was like, the first big name free agent to sign with Celtics. They hadn't signed one in a long time. Um, So that was supposed to be the new big thing. But when Kyrie left, it was addition by subtraction. When Horford left, it didn't turn out too well in Philly. So who knows whether he has a lot left. Uh, Losing either one of those weren't too bad. Gordon Hayward, you're right. He's injury prone. Um, he, I wouldn't give him, you know, all that money. But they're still going to miss him next year. Mm-hmm. Need somebody to replace him next year. Who's going to replace him? Who on this roster is going to replace him? Is are they going to make Jalen Brown a forward? Uh, are they going to play him? Uh, I, I don't I don't I don't see anybody on this roster who fits that mold right now. Yeah, I mean I think you're banking on either Romeo Langford being healthy and a better player than he was as a rookie, obviously, and certainly playing a lot more and being more involved. You're hoping that and again, this is not role specific as much as statistically, but you're hoping Jeff Teague is significantly better than Brad Wanamaker was. Like you're just you know, it's it's sort of like the uh like, like the Billy Bean Moneyball philosophy of saying, all right, well, it's not that we lost this player that gave us this. It's that we lost, you know, X, and I'll put it in basketball terms now. We lost X number of points and assists and rebounds. And, you know, now we just need to figure out where it's all going to collectively come from. We're not trying to replace one player. We're trying to replace the numbers. But, you know, Hayward, to, you know, sort of contradict my point, gave you so much more than the stat sheet. You know, he was a ball handler. He was a playmaker. He was uh, proficient on both sides. And specifically, that guy, the Celtics don't have that guy walking into the lineup right now. He's, you know, short of one of these younger guys that have come in the last couple of years turning a significant corner. The Celtics have a lot of really good guards. 
but they need some big people. I mean, I know the league has changed. You don't need a superstar seven-footer anymore, but their forwards aren't real tall. Uh, they they need and, – and so, so maybe I guess they're going to rely on their shooters. So maybe this number one pick is going to be a great shooter. Who knows? He only played 14 games in college at Vanderbilt, so that remains to be seen. Um, He's a sniper. Just ask him. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's confident. He's yeah. confident. Um, and I hope he comes through. I mean, maybe they'll be running up and down the court and shooting threes and, you know, fooling people. Uh, I, I Again, I think they're going to be about as good as they were this past season. In the interest of time, let's get to some of these Twitter questions. There are a lot, so feel free to go as, uh, as quickly okay. as you want. We'll go semi-rapid fire. But, um, you know uh, – this comes from just a, a ton of people to sum it up. A lot of people want to know about this trade exception that the Celtics acquired the $28.5 million in the deal from the Hornets and, uh, you know, trying to replace, obviously, Gordon Hayward. Do you believe Danny Ainge will use it? He's got a year to do so. Could even be next offseason. Doesn't have to be now. Do you believe he will? And any types of guys that come to mind that you think he might be targeting? I don't think he's going to use it for a while. No. And, I agree uh, with you. Yeah, I don't think, you know, He's not going to use it just for the sake of using it to make himself look good because he doesn't care about what people think. He, he, does, he does his job the way he thinks he should do it, and he doesn't feel the pressure from the fans. Uh, so I don't think he's going to use it right away, and there's no one really that stands out uh, that I think they should sign. I just want to point out before we move on here, Adam, that Bobby Marks had it, and I've been kind of regurgitating it a while because I, I made the yeah. point. I didn't have the numbers. 75% of all trade exceptions go unused. Just going to throw it out there. Just for the people, you do it what you want. I'm just going to say that. I'm, I'm not confident in a trade exception. It's a large one. It's the largest in NBA history, but I'm not confident it gets used even at all. And I like what Bill said. I agree with the fact that, like, Dane doesn't care what you think. He's going to keep running the team the way he thinks needs to be run. So here's my I, – I agree with both of those things, but here's my only little caveat to Bobby Mark's, you know – stat which is it's you can't argue with the stat right i could see remember the celtics have three trade exceptions created by the deals obviously in you know with Cantor and poirier being sent out of town as well i could see a five million dollar four point whatever for Cantor expiring i could see poirier's two and a half million expiring the largest trade exception in NBA history of $28.5 million, which does not need to be used in, in one fell swoop either. You know, they could use it for multiple players. You can't pay over it. You couldn't, like, a lot of people want to say, get Bradley Beal. Well, one, he makes too much. Two, I don't think Washington's looking to deal him. But you can't I, – I, I just I, – I find it very hard. I totally agree it's not going to happen soon. I think you're talking next stop season, maybe even the trade deadline at the earliest – Certainly nothing in the coming days, but to let a $28.5 million trade exception or a large portion of that expire would blow my mind. It really would. Well, hopefully your mind doesn't get blown. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I, I uh, That's when you're going to hear from all the fans saying, Ainge blew it! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be crazy. All right, so th this will be zeroed right back on you. From Neesmith is legit is the username on Twitter. Uh, was Billy here at the 1986 Dead Show in Worcester with Walton in the Seas? And what's your best 1986 Celtics story? I, I, I didn't cover the Celtics in 86. I know. Yeah, you said 27 years. It was the, you know, it was uh, 
I watched them. I watched the Celtics in '86. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was fun, but I, I don't. I don't have any inside scoop from that year. From Michael here, since the Celtics officially have that trade exception to add to their dwindling, if not already extinguished assets, uh, where do the Celtics rank in the East to start the season and what moves and or player progressions need to happen for them to have a shot at Banner 18? Well, I've said this a couple of times. I think they'll, they'll probably have a get to the conference semifinals, maybe the conference finals at the most. Uh, things would have to go right. Uh, you know, maybe add somebody at the trade deadline. This whole season, who knows what's going to happen? You know, they might play a week and have to shut down. We don't know. But if they go, if they can go start, you know, the week before Christmas and keep going, uh, Brad Stevens is really good at getting the most out of his team during the regular season. He's a very good coach. And the way he coaches help works during the regular season you know, they need to go further in the playoffs to prove that he has taken the next step as a coach. So, and and we'll get back to the Twitter questions, but I can't help but follow up there. You sound like a, uh, not, there are a lot of people, you know, Steven sucks. He has whatever fire him. Like that's what people default to. You're not one of those people, obviously. No, no, no. But you you sound like you're somewhat skeptical of Brad or maybe think that, you know, there's a, at least in terms of the postseason, he has reached the conference finals a few times. There's an element of, of him being maybe a little bit overrated to at least how Celtics fans view him. No, I don't think he's overrated. I think he's he's done a great job. I just, in Boston with the Celtics, if you don't win the title, you're disappointed. You know, if, if he were coaching in Indiana, you know, they'd be having parades for him. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little biased towards Brad because I get along really well with him. Um, and I just got to tell you a little story about Brad. Uh, my son, my grandson, I'm sorry, when he was a year and a half old, had a kidney transplanted uh, Boston Children's Hospital. And uh, my daughter had a uh, GoFundMe page. She set it up to help with the bills. Mm-hmm. And Brad, without even telling me, uh, made a sizable donation to my GoFundMe page. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and so I found out about it through my daughter because um, she was the only one that saw the names of the people donating. So I remember going up to him and saying, uh, actually to his wife, I went up to his wife first uh, during a game um, at halftime. And she said, uh, you know, Brad and I were talking about this. Is this a conflict of interest should we be donating to this and we said ah the heck with it we don't care we're donating and and then i saw brad like uh before uh what was it, it was preseason it was like the opening day of preseason it was media day and i saw him just me me and he were uh t- together and i mentioned it oh thank you very much for donating he says oh don't even mention it you know it's the least i can do he brad stevens is a nice guy Bottom line, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm a little biased, but I, I think he's the right man for the team to coach. My only point is, in Boston, if you don't win a title, people aren't satisfied, or at least they're not satisfied for long. So he needs to win a title to win over his daughters. And I don't know if this is the team that's going to do it. 
So I am, and, and Evan is right there as well. I mean, we are <clears throat> high up in the Brad Stevens fan club. And, and I've been, I mean, I love Brad at Butler. I was so stoked when they hired him and, and have all the way through been, uh, you know, a, a zealot when it comes to all things Brad Stevens. There are plenty of guys that this statement would apply to, but I'm going to zero it in on Brad anyway. It just sort of feels like he has to win at some point, right? And I know they they've been winning in the in the grand scheme of things. It's not like he's a, a bad head coach. He's got a, you know it, it hell. I mean, he could finish um, depending on how long he's around. I mean, he's already top five in Celtics wins historically. He's right. you know, and, and shooting up the list as well. Doc Rivers, I think the next one to go by, and Tommy Heinsohn there as well. But I just it it would really surprise me if when all is said and done, however long it takes, that Brad Stevens didn't win a championship in Boston. Yeah, I think he can do it. He's the right man for the job. He just, I don't know if he has a team this year that can do it. So maybe they use the, maybe make a deal at the trade deadline, use a trade exception. I don't know, but maybe, maybe some of these young players who haven't done anything yet blossom. But uh, just on the face of it, entering the season, you know, there are too many other better teams in the league this year. Yeah, and that's the thing with Brad. When you have to, when you have to manage expectations, you have to understand like this team succeeded a lot earlier on than I think people anticipated. I mean, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, that first you know Jalen Brown and 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 uh, and and Jason Tatum year. You know, that's have two, those two young guys go to the Eastern Conference Finals. It resets your expectations, right? So I think with Brad and I've, unfortunately, people understand this. You know, Brad and Danny are kind of you know linked. At the, at the hip here, like it's Danny's job to give Brad a team that can get him to the finals. And, you know, when they fall short, everybody loves to blame Brad. And I'm like, okay, I understand that, that Brad maybe didn't call a timeout early enough, or he didn't, you know, he pulled, he, he played in his canner too much, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But he's also doing what he can with the roster he's given. Like he's not on the court making shots and he doesn't, I mean, he has say in what the team looks like, but at the end of the day, it's Danny's job. So Brad can only do so much, and, and, I, and I sort of agree with you here. I'm not quite sure if this is the exact team that wins a championship. I'm not sure. There, I think there are pieces on it that could, um, but I, I'm not quite sure if if it's pieced all the way together. But to get back to Brad, like, I think what has happened early on in Brad's career, and we kind of look at Butler, you know, he made you know two championship games at Butler and came up short, and then he's come up short here in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of times. People, I think, are just a little bit too critical of him. I, I, and I know you can be. I understand that this is like if you don't win a title, then who cares? But he's also done a pretty remarkable job with some pretty, you know, not-so-great rosters or pretty young rosters at this point, Bill. Put it in perspective. The Celtics are the best team in Boston. They're much not, even a, not even a hard statement to make at this point. I know it. Hey, guys, I mean, they're much the Revolution just advanced to the conference finals today. Put a little yeah. respect on their names. Well, the Revolution don't play in Boston. That's fair. <laughs> and again, neither the Patriots. Neither the Patriots don't either, yeah. Yeah, who are the Patriots? <laughs> they beat the right. Cardinals today. Come on. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Great game for Cam. Yeah. 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 Six well, thanks. I was taping the game. I was going to watch it after this podcast. Yeah, you're in for a real treat. Yeah, buckle up, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you got the fast forward button handy. Yeah. Uh, no, I, so, I never watch it when the other team has the ball. <laughs> you might want to. It's actually you might be that. <laughs> yeah, there were some pretty good defensive stands in that one, actually. All right, okay. No, I did see it end in the first half. Yeah, there you go. 
there are a lot more Twitter questions. In the interest of time, we'll uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to more obviously next week. And we appreciate everyone's uh, you know wanting to be part of the show and get your questions answered. And hopefully, uh, we hit on a bunch, even though they weren't direct questions. Topics obviously were were many. I I, I want to bring this one up though um, that I I think about this a lot, um, and and I think it fits nicely into our Brad Stevens conversation. Danny Ainge, and especially it, it, it helps too that you've obviously covered this team through multiple regimes. And I love Danny. This is no attack on Danny as, as an individual or even as a, I think he's a very good GM. It's not even an attack on him as a GM. It's, it's the only element of it being an attack is, is the bottom line of championships. He's been on the job for what are we at at this point? 16, 17, 18 years, something along those lines. He's won one title. He's rebuilt the team multiple times. He's gone to multiple championship rounds. He's won one title. Maybe they're close to another. Sure as hell hope they are. In this city, because you bring up Boston, in this city, is there a – Wick Grosbeck and ownership, they love him. He's not going anywhere, I would think, by by Wick's hand. Like, I think for Danny to leave, it's going to be Danny's choice. But does there come a certain point in time – where you look at it and say, you know what, championships are just tough to win and you got the right guy and, and he's going to get you there again. Or do you look at it on the other side and say, you know, one title in almost 20 years, it's Boston, that's not good enough, we need another guy in here. Yeah, that's a decision that Wick Grosbeck and Steve Pagliuca have to make. I think they're solidly in Danny's corner and in Brad's. I don't think they're concerned about that yet. Uh you know, there's always a chance they bring somebody else in here and the team starts losing. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got a good thing going, but I'm sure they want a great thing going. Uh, the, but the problem is, what are you going to do? Get LeBron to come to Boston? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying I have an answer, even that I'm right. you know, <clears throat> advocating for Danny Ainge to lose his job, far from. But but I, I do think about, you know, people's impatience with leadership that is is good very good great at times not exceptional and everyone just demands exceptional I I think being spoiled by what's gone on here uh, across the teams for the last two decades people think that it's that there there's a certain generation multiple generations now of people that believe that's just the the way it's supposed to be when that is not the reality now, you win in the NBA with superstars. The Celtics have is, – is Tatum a superstar or is he a star? We're getting there. I would yeah. say he will be a superstar, but right, right. now he's not. So they don't have a superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, you, need a, you need a superstar to win in the NBA, and the Celtics don't have one, at least not yet. But I think they have – a very good coach. They have a good roster. Who knows? Maybe other teams have injuries. The Celtics stay healthy. There's a chance. And maybe that's what you need going into a season. There's at least a chance. And they have one every year since Brad Stevens' second year. They've had a chance. Interesting time. Interesting yeah. time to be a Celtics fan for sure. Um, you know what? Not wishing time away, but but there is definitely an element of wanting to at least fast forward the 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 period of time that uh, just to get an answer on that trade exception because that I feel like there's there's going to be 
not even I feel like, I know there is going to be an obsession with that, at least from the (laughs) Twitter mafia, over the next however long until it's either used or expired. People are going to fixate on that and come up with trade proposals that involve whomever, you know, Buddy healed. I mean, hell, I like I got a no. buddy who comes on the show from time to time. I got a buddy texting me right now. DeMar DeRozan, Nick Vucevic, Rudy Gobert, Buddy Heald, LaMarcus Aldridge, Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes, Aaron Gordon, just racking his brain. You know, like these, this is what's going to happen for the next however many months until we get an answer to this question one way or the other. I don't like any of those players in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, tough. They're good, That's they're tough. good but they're, are they going to put the Celtics over the top? Yeah, and then and then it starts to be which of those guys or someone else I didn't name, obviously, not only becomes worth acquiring, but worth paying that amount of money and then paying into the tax to keep them and so on and so forth. Like these are the things that you need to think about to, you know, examine because they don't – if there's one thing Danny Ainge, and he's done a lot of things great, but if there's one thing he has done a great job of lately – and, and I will credit him in this sense for not re-signing Hayward for, you know, if it were a reasonable contract, sure. But four for 120 or even, you know, four for 110 or whatever, no thanks. He has not sent out bad money. The only bad contract he might, might have on his hands right now is Kemba Walker if the knee is what a lot of us fear it is. Right. But if the knee is okay, he's got a lot of great contracts on the books and certainly no bad ones. Yeah, no, Ainge has done, you know, he's made some mistakes, obviously, but he's done a a good job overall. Uh, I have no complaints with him. Uh, You know, they haven't, I mean, the the, the couple of times where he's been able to draft really high in the draft, he's got two really good players. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, they're not big men, or they're not LeBron James or uh, something like that. Ainge isn't the problem. It's just they they need they need to get better. I don't know how they're going to do it in the the way things are now. Now you just get to sit back and watch like the rest of us. Yes, and <laughs> well, it'd be nice to go to games again. Well, that's or, true. I hope it helps you as a fan. It'd be nice to, for people to get to go to games again. Yeah, that'll be. Uh, we're. I fear that we're a little ways off from that, but it'll it'll be nice. M- most important above all of this, uh, everyone is happy, healthy. I hope. My fa- my family's doing great. Yes, good, doing great. And my grandson, I mentioned earlier, he had a kidney transplant. He's doing. He's four, four and a half now. He's doing great. Terrific. No, that's what we want to hear. Well, thank you so much, Bill. For hang on, hang on, no, no, hang on. Before we go, I got one more, and, it, oh, and I don't know. If- I don't know if Bill's aware of this. I, I, I've been able to do a couple of Celtics games in my life as a as a reporter. It's been a, a blessing for sure. I don't know if you know that you're a legend amongst the rest of the reporters there. I'm sure you do know this. But one of the things you are legendary for is your placement at every single either interview with Brad or interview. With, you are literally – you have the pole placement – like the first person right next to him in every single post-game interview or pre-game interview. And before we get out of here, we have to know the secret of how you're able to wind your way through everybody and get to that spot. Because that's been you for the past 27 – it's just you right there for the past 20 years right next to everybody. What is the secret? How did you do it? 
Well, again, I, I started just doing, I don't remember why I started doing it, but I started asking the first question and then it became a tradition. And the other reporters liked it when I asked the first question because they didn't have to. And <laughs> seriously. And yep. then they could think longer, like what, 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 what do I want to ask the coach? Or what do I want to ask Paul Pierce? And maybe I could ask a follow-up or I could like soften them up with a question first kind of thing. So they would let me get up in the front. They would like ah. open, you know, it was like Moses, uh, <laughs> Red Sea. You know, they would let me get up there. Bill, go ahead, ask. And even the last couple of years when I wasn't around quite as much, they would say, Bill, you're still going to ask the first question. So that was part of it. They helped, they helped it happen. I'm, I'll, I'll just every time I've gone, you were the first in line every single. I'm like, you know, because you get that line outside the locker room as you sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait for them to open the doors and Jeff Twist and tell you it's okay. You were always the first guy in line every single time, and I was like, how does this guy do it? How does he do this every single time? This guy is amazing, unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'll be known for is the first question. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel any pressure every time you had asked the first question? I did. Sure did. I definitely yeah. did. Yeah. I definitely I thought, what am I going to ask tonight? I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Microphone. And I would just think of something in the last second. Yeah. Uh, worst things to be known for, and a lot of great things that you're known for, obviously. A, uh, a Worcester legend, a Celtics beat writing legend, a legend of the industry here locally for sure. Bill Doyle, Worcester Telegram Gazette, retiring in the coming days after 40 years on the gig, and of course, north of two decades covering our beloved Boston Celtics. Thank you so much for being part of this here, Bill. And uh, we hope that even in retirement, we have you back again. Thank you very much for inviting me on your show. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope I have a great retirement. I hope the Celtics do well and do even better than I think they're going to do. I think we all share in that. Once again, this show brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today for your exclusive sign-up bonus. We'll all rally together. We'll have a a virtual retirement party for Bill. It'll be a, a Zoom party. So, uh, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, we won't be able to clink glasses or anything like that. But we will all, uh, we'll all, you know, raise a glass to you anyway. Thanks again, Bill. And uh, obviously to Evan, I am Adam. Thanks to everyone for being with us. Your Twitter questions, everything else. Uh, we'll be back again for you next week when, you know, at that point in time, Celtics will be getting back to work. Preseason games will be right around the corner. And finally, we don't have to say, boy, this sign and trade going to get done anytime soon. It's done. Gordon Hayward's gone. The trade exception's here. And now we wait to see what Danny Ainge does with it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon.